Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works for another episode of our flagship show. Apologies that it's a little bit delayed. Uh, scheduling this time around has been a bit of a logistical nightmare. Everybody has got very difficult schedules. Myself, uh, Tom Adams, I'm getting over getting a, a excuse me, can't even speak. Getting over being a little bit under the weather, which wasn't COVID. I guess it's just kind of a cold. You know, these things are still around. A lot of other people, as uh, longtime listeners of Bavarian Podcast Works will know, uh, a lot of us are really separated throughout the globe, different time zones. So sometimes, especially uh, for us here in the States, as the holiday season ramps up, very difficult to link up. So again, our apologies on that front. But nonetheless, we did not want to leave people hanging. We wanted to uh, get an episode out. And today, it is just me. Uh, and I figured, since we had a pretty good uh, response from our followers on Twitter, to me sending out the tweet saying, hey, fire in some questions for this podcast episode because we'd love to uh, answer some of these questions for you. We'd like to hear what's on people's minds, discuss it, have it generate some perhaps good discussion both on here and in the comments section because obviously we're in this little lull. Bayern don't play again until January 20th. Germany got knocked out of the World Cup via the group stages. We all know what a debacle that was, yet again, repeating the same fate that we suffered in Russia in 2018, not making it out of the group there. A lot of the players are pretty much just resting and recovering before training resumes. Julian Nagelsmann gave a lot of the Bayern World Cup players added vacation and added holiday so that they can really rest, recuperate, regenerate, and be ready for the start of the Rukrunda, as I mentioned, which is... Uh, coming at the end of January uh, by form of taking on Arbe Leipzig for our first match there. Uh, so, unfortunately, the bad news really just keeps trickling in uh, for Bayern in Germany. As I'm sure everybody has read by now, Manuel Neuer was on a ski trip. Ironically enough, the intent for that was to decompress, get a lot of the World Cup blues, so to speak, out of the system. And as fate would have it, he wound up breaking his leg in an accident on said ski trip, had to be helicoptered out of where he was skiing and unfortunately broke his leg, and that means his season is done. Uh, so when it rains, it pours for Bayern fans, but you know we do have a few lads that are still in the World Cup. Coman, Dio Upamecano, uh, Benjamin Pavard, who has been benched for France, uh, unfortunately, and obviously uh, Nusser Masarawi with Morocco, who are on a sensational run. So hopefully... We see some of our boys go all the way to the final. Josip Stanisic with Croatia as well. Can't forget that. But nonetheless, with the topic of Neuer, I thought it would be a good place to start with a question that was sent in kind of on that subject because Bayern are in a little bit of a uh, tricky spot now for the goalkeeper situation. Obviously, we do still have Sven Ulreich, but other than that, you know, we don't really have too much depth in that position. And it seems like a position where because we've always had Manuel Neuer and we've had that guy uh, in our roster, it's something that's not overlooked. But, you know, we haven't had too, too many seasons. Yes, he's had trouble with his metatarsal in the past uh, and he's had uh, injuries earlier this season. But it's always him who's the de facto number one. And we really don't have to worry about anything straying from that fact and we always have the backup we have we've had Sven Ulreich obviously for a few seasons but now things are going to get a little bit tricky so to kind of start and shift gears into this uh, ask BPW section the first question came in from 
title hamster, which by the way, I know Chuck Smith, our managing editor, absolutely loves that username. Uh, if you all recall, Julian Nogsman, when he referred to himself as the title hamster after Bayern won the DFL Super Cup, uh, I believe it was last season, actually, against Borussia Dortmund. That was one of the greatest quotes, and he and I have a lot of fun with that. Um, and his at is KW underscore brand, um, and they ask, are there any keepers available on the winter market, and will Bayern have to do something, or will Sven Ulreich take us to the treble? So to answer the latter part of that question first, I do think it's very unlikely that we would win another trouble without who would I would consider one of the best goalkeepers in the world in Manuel Neuer, if not the best. And that is no discredit to Sven Ulreich. I think he's deputized for us quite well a couple of times this season. But I think the reports have already come out. You know, Bayern uh, is looking to AS Monaco to perhaps, perhaps excuse me, recall Alexander Nubel from AS Monaco, but... Now it seems that Nubel, uh, you know, the keeper himself, is not as much interested in potentially doing that because he doesn't want to give up his starting role at AS Monaco, which has worked, uh, depending on who you ask, uh, arguably quite well for him. Obviously, he no, no longer has Niko Kovac uh, and that um, familiarity there. As we know, Kovac was sacked and is now coaching uh, VAUFO Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. But Nubel has been the number one at Monaco pretty much since he's gone out on loan there. And the history for him with Bayern has just been super bizarre. When we bought him from Schalke, he had this clause in his contract that stipulated he would play, I think it was at least eight or nine matches for Bayern. Came nowhere close to doing that in his first season because Manuel Neuer was the number one, obviously. And Bayern got knocked out early in the DFB Pokal and the Champions League much, much earlier than they would have anticipated. So there really wasn't much opportunity. I'm pretty sure in that 2020 21 season the only matches he really played in were uh, not some of the dead rubber but matches in the Champions League where Bayern had already clinched their progression to the knockout stages uh, and he deputized for Manuel Neuer uh, on those occasions but you know his agent Stefan Bax has already said that there's been no contact from Munich uh, to AS Monaco or Nubel's representative so you cannot rely on that being a very feasible or realistic option with all of those uh, contextual details taken into consideration. Um, that would be the obvious first move for Bayern to try because they have that option to re uh, recall him from his loan in Monaco. But other than that, uh, we've also seen these rumors floated around uh, potentially going for PSG's Kaylor Navas, who just got back from the World Cup with uh, Costa Rica. And as we most of us know, it plays second fi fiddle to uh, Gigi Donnarumma uh, in Paris. So that could be a feasible option depending on how much he would potentially cost in the winter transfer window. Uh, and then there's also reports suggesting that Bayern would be interested in looking at Dominic Livakovic, who is the Croatian keeper who also plays his football domestically in Croatia for uh, Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, and he, as we all know, just had a fantastic performance against Brazil one of the shock results of the knockout stages thus far, Croatia knocking out uh, Brazil in penalties to advance to the semifinals where they were take on Argentina tomorrow at the time of recording. So there are those two options on the table as far as anything, whether realistic, a, a far shoot, or you know a, a real shot in the dark. I have not seen, seen much else than that. I do think Sven Ulreich obviously right now is 
got the weight of the world on his shoulders, not knowing if a replacement's going to be brought in, and if it is, or if one is going to be, then who it's going to be, how will that jeopardize his playing time? But realistically, Bayern knew, do need to get another goalkeeper. Like You can't just have one experienced goalkeeper in, in your team and expect to go the distance across three fronts, especially with uh, the attack that Bayern is going to be facing. We don't have, we didn't get the, the greatest luck in the world drawing PSG for the round of 16 in the Champions League. I know we have uh, a lot of history with that club in recent years past in the Champions League. So, yeah, I, I really don't think, uh, like, again, no discredit to Sven Ulreich, but I don't think him being the de facto number one for the remainder of the season is going to result in us winning the treble. Um, obviously, it's a collective effort, and it comes down to every area of the pitch, goalkeeping, defense, midfield, and attack, but there is that difference. You know, Neuer, I think... Everyone can agree, especially as Bayern and Germany fans in some of the latter stages of the Champions League World Cup qualifiers, like he, Neuer has made some fantastic and brilliant saves for us that have gone on to make a difference between one point or three points or progressing as opposed to getting knocked out. So you cannot, you simply just cannot take that fact away and it will change things, you know. There are going to be keepers that are not going to be pulling off the same amount of saves and having you know the certain awareness and movements that he has as one of the world's best goalkeepers, if you ask me, the best keeper in the world on his day. So hopefully Bayern are able to do something. I think Kaylor Navas would be an awesome move. I would love to see him come to Bayern. I think that could really inject a lot of confidence to the fact that we've lost Neuer and we now have a guy who's been there, done that on the biggest stage. And I even think... Usually, always, you know, Costa Rica isn't the most uh, stacked team in every area of the pitch. No discredit to them, but um, I think he pulled off a lot of fantastic saves, particularly in their win against uh, Japan uh, in the group stages, Costa Rica. So I would love to see him come to Bayern. I, I can't say, other than the World Cup, I know too, too much about the Croatian keeper. Don't watch much of the Croatian league. Maybe obviously see them in the Champions League group stages, but we can all agree, like, he's been having a fantastic World Cup thus far. And you're not going to advance to the semifinals of the World Cup without a keeper doing his part and doing his job well. So I hope that answers that question uh, sort of holistically and, um, you know, realistically, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I hope that we bring someone in. Navas would be uh, my choice based off of what I've seen uh, in the press and what seems to be available. Um, the price, I think, would still just be the main issue because uh, it just really looks and sounds like Alexander Nubel uh, doesn't have interest, uh, even if he has the backing of the Bayern bosses, you know, Julian Nagelsmann, Dino Topmuller, Oliver Kahn, Hassan Salihamidzic, and Herbert Heiner. You know, even with that, you know, it's not exactly the first time that we've heard that from Byron's front office and coaching staff uh, in regards to him. But, you know, that didn't translate to him playing any more matches. So uh, I, I just don't think he wants to break anything or sorry, I said that backwards, fix anything that isn't broken in terms of the setup that he has at AS Monaco. Uh, and for that reason, I, I do think he'll choose to stay there despite Byron's best efforts to try and recall him. Uh, to Munich and get him to come back. Uh, so the next question comes in from Eric at German Dad in LA, and I have to give him credit. He is very communicative with us on Twitter. Um, definitely been a longtime follower, so uh, shout out to you, man. We really, really appreciate the continued support uh, and feedback and discussion that you generate. Uh, but he asked, was the super short pre-World Cup window the reason that 
mostly teams that know each other very, very well went far. And I do apologize if I if I'm misreading that question. Um, but uh, like you could take that question two ways. Um, the teams, the national teams that know each other and are tightly knit, um, is that why they went really far? Um, or is it, uh, you know, the teams knowing the opponents they played? I'm assuming you mean the former. Um, I'm sorry if you mean the latter, but I, that's just how I took that question. Um, and, you know, from a German standpoint, it's very interesting. You've had certain pundits coming out. Uh, I believe it was Honigstein the other day had put something out questioning whether the large Bayern contingent was partially to blame for Germany's shortcomings in the World Cup. But you would have to say, especially from a German perspective, with that large Bayern contingent, that that should help translate to success on the pitch. But it just did not. And Germany fell short in several areas. I thought against the first match against Japan, uh, both Schlotterbeck and Nicolas Zula, the Borussia Dortmund defenders didn't have great matches. Um, I personally am a little bit befuddled by Hansi Flick's, uh, you know, obsession with Ilkay Gundogan. Yes, he might uh, be having a, a decent season with Manchester City on the back of uh, several solid seasons with them. But I just thought that even despite scoring that penalty against Japan, he was one of the uh, weaker midfielders on display for Germany. And then just the reluctance to play from the get-go with a natural number nine. I know there's a lot of tactics uh, decisions involved in being able to bring off an attacker off the bench or a natural striker to sort of change the way uh, the shape of the team is and to kind of get a look at how the opposition defense is uh, moving, reacting to different tactical switches. Uh, but I think we can all agree that every time Niklas Fulkrug uh, from Werder Bremen came on the pitch, like he made a difference and obviously uh, scored some crucial goals for Germany against Costa Rica when it didn't didn't really matter. And obviously Kai Havertz was the, the difference maker there coming on and scoring twice off the bench. But it just seemed like playing without a striker and just sort of like a false nine or a, uh, you know, just a 10, uh, oftentimes, it seemed to be Thomas Muller as the most advanced player, and obviously as a Bayern fan and in a Bayern community, we know how effective he can be from there, but I think we can all agree he's far more effective with an attacker playing ahead of him. Um, at least that's my opinion. I know that a lot of people would probably share the same opinion, but I think a lot of Germany's shortcomings had to do with that. But again, I'm just Tom from BFW and BPW. I'm not Hansi Flick. I'm not in the uh, the Daft Bay camp in Qatar, I wasn't with them, so I don't know all the things that they know, and there's reasons why they make the decisions that they make, but um, yeah, so Eric, I believe that's the way that you are asking that question, and I think the the two kind of uh, coalesce with each other anyways, um, so I do, I definitely think that momentum plays a huge part of it, so obviously the teams that are more tightly knit um, have gone uh, just a little bit further than uh, some of the teams that, that aren't so, and I don't think there's really an issue with Germany and the Bayern camp and, and maybe not integrating well with some of the other guys like the Dortmund camp. Obviously, there's some like smaller pockets. David Raum from RB Leipzig. Uh, you had Klosterman from RB Leipzig. And then just like little smaller pockets. Uh, obviously, Gundogan from Manchester City. Um, the Dortmund players, Zula and uh, Schlotterbeck. Kai Havertz from Chelsea, so there are just like kind of like little awkward clicks. Full Krug from Werder Bremen, but I don't. I really don't like. I I think click is the wrong word to use. I really don't think it's like that, and I think they're all on the same page, ready and willing to work with one one another. We have read after the World Cup 
uh, in the German press that there have been some distractions, you know, like a lot of political things uh, playing into the dressing room, maybe the one love armband that a lot of the national teams backed down on when the Qatari government and FIFA kind of really pressured them uh, into doing so. But I really don't think any of that would have been the reason why Germany played uh, any weaker uh, as opposed to stronger, but certainly a distraction nonetheless easily for the press to kind of uh, have a field day with, if you will. But yeah, so I, while it's not the main reason, I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying, Eric. And I definitely do feel that, you know, the lack of preparation and, and the time crunch with the world cup starting pretty much right smack dab in the middle of most domestic European seasons, when things really start to crank up those guys who are playing with each other, you know, every day, week in and week out, it, it's definitely benefited how far they've gone. We saw with England uh, and France, obviously Croatia, Argentina, like most of these guys are very familiar with one another. Um, and if you meant the latter, uh, as far as knowing the opponents, like even even same deal there. So if they're used to the opponents they're playing against, obviously we saw a good example the other day with uh, Harry Kane and Hugo Lloris in England and France, Tottenham Hotspur teammates, obviously. And, you know, Yoris uh, guessed the direction right both times. Obviously, Kane skied the second penalty, but it's, you know, how much of it is them knowing each other well enough and, and how they take penalties, where they normally uh, pick a spot in the goal and uh, all of that sort of stuff. So I guess even both ways that you could take the question kind of have the same answer. But yeah, if I mean, it's not to say would Germany have done better if there's a bit more of a break, but... <sighs> I mean, you want to, at this point, like with how things went, you'd want to look for any excuse to say, oh, things could have gone better if X, Y, or Z happened. But I think that a lot of teams would have benefited from more preparation time. You know, it's just, to me, like just all of the, the context and everything that's gone behind this World Cup and kind of been swept under the rug, uh, so to speak, like it hasn't really felt like a genuine World Cup to me. I think it also more so has to do with the timing. Like I'm so used to all the fixtures really ramping up, the Hinrunda coming to a close and all of that sort of stuff happening. I think normally it would be at this time where the Champions League group stages would be coming to a, uh, a close, uh, if I recall correctly. So kind of just used to it being that way. Um, but nonetheless, I hope that answers your question. Thanks again for firing it in. Um, and my apologies if I interpreted it slightly wrong. But as I said, uh, the two answers kind of correlate directly with one another, uh, in my opinion. Uh, the next question, we're kind of moving from keeping situation uh, from the previous question before Eric to defense. Um, but it's kind of similar uh, to that first question. And this one comes for comes from Kevin Acker, and that's just at Kevin Acker. What does the future of the back line and goalkeeper look like? And I'm assuming this is just a Bayern-specific question. Um, but I'm kind of going to kind of point to Oliver Kahn and his sentiment that he feels Manuel Neuer will definitely get another contract extension. This leg break could change things. I don't know how he's going to look when he recovers from this injury, but... We've seen him bounce back from broken bones, metatarsal injuries in the past and still be able to produce world-class performances. And it's kind of gotten to the point where, if you recall, the last injury that Neuer had, Nagelsmann was basically saying, hey, look, you come back when you're ready. You'll have the discretion and the advice from the, the physios and our medical staff and our fitness trainers here at Bayern. But like, 
just don't come uh, and train at Sabinerstrasse until you feel 100% fit and you kind of are on your own terms uh, as an experienced player, knowing your body the best, knowing how you recover from injuries. But with that said, I do think Neuer will wind up retiring at Bayern. Uh, I know Oliver Kahn has said he thinks Neuer can play until he's 40 at the highest level. Um, I don't know if it's just a little bit of goalkeepers union there, uh, obviously, since Kahn is a goalkeeper himself. But I do, I, I genuinely do feel, even when he recovers from this leg injury, like he'll continue to play for a very long time. So I think there's going to be several more seasons where he will be the number one for Bayern. Maybe not for Germany with the amount of younger keepers that are doing well um, that Hansi Flick and whoever his successor will be has to choose from you know Kevin Trapp Marc-Andre Ter Stegen he's got a lot of options there so maybe not as much for Germany but for Bayern I still think he's going to be around for quite some time and as far as the players just ahead of him I think we really have seen how much Dio Upamecano has improved I think he looks a much more confident player for both Bayern and France lately I think that he's greatly benefited from Nagelsmann's continued show shows of faith in him a lot of times, I think people were very quick to get on his back with some of the 1v1 mistakes he would make or decisions on the ball that just like didn't seem to be good that led to dangerous chances for opposition. But him alongside either Luca Hernandez or Matthias De Ligt, like I can see that being uh, the Bayern de facto center back pairing for quite some time. It's just unfortunate that Lucas Hernandez's injury history just does not bode very well for him. We were all heartbroken to see him tear that ACL in France's first group stage match against Australia at the World Cup, and uh, his brother has been deputizing, obviously Theo, who plays for AC Milan for him, but when he's fully fit, I think he's one of our uh, best defenders, whether it's a long delict or Upamecano, but we're obviously not going to have him for the remainder of the season, but I hope that uh, I'm pretty sure Bayern's front office, uh, Hassan Salihamidzic, has even said that despite the ACL tear uh, and the injury that Hernandez has picked up, there's like they quote unquote, he still has the the Bayern DNA and the Bayern spirit. So they want to definitely give him a contract extension, even with the injury concern. So I think that says enough about what the club see, uh, thinks about Luca Hernandez. And I do feel the same. It's just a shame that it seems every season we are dealing with uh, some kind of major injury for him, whether it's the ankle, uh, the knee, or a muscular injury. It just always seems like it's something much similar to Quarantan Taliso before he wound up leaving Bayern. So I just keep my fingers crossed um, and hope that he can stay fit. But I think like right back really is the only spot. But now with how well new Sarah Masraoui has been doing for Bayern, I think some of his best performances came against Barcelona in the Champions League, which you know, if you're going to have a good performance against anybody to make a statement, that's certainly one of the sides to do it against. And I think the Pavard situation has been a little bit unclear. And I think he's uh, not really made our front office and Nagelsmann too happy with how freely and openly he's spoken about being uh, ready for a new challenge at a different club since he's already won everything there is to win with Bayern and having already won the World Cup with France too. So it does kind of look like Pavard has one foot out the door because I was basically just going to say from left to right, I mean, Davies, Upamecano, slash Delic, slash Hernandez, um, and then obviously Pavard on the right, but now Masraoui, uh <laughs> kind of, you know, I think sheds light on what the future of the back line will look like. I don't see Davies going anywhere, Delict, Hernandez, or Upamecano, and if they all keep growing as they've been growing, 
that is a very a very sound and a very savvy back line that's not going to concede a lot of goals, regardless of if it's Neuer or Ulreich or somebody else uh, behind them. Uh, and I think we have very solid foundations just ahead of them. Joshua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka, Marcel Sabitzer, Jamal Musiala, Conrad Leimer, who for all intents and purposes, it looks like a verbal agreement is pretty much uh, good to go and, and set in stone. And he will become a Bayern player this summer as a free agent as his contract with RB Leipzig expires. So the foundations are there. Um, and that kind of, I know, <laughs> squeaks a little forward because your question specifically was asked uh, about goalkeeping and the defense. But yeah, I think that back four, I mean, kind of picks itself. So right now, as it is, if you just want to take Pavard out of the equation, you know, Davies, Delict, Upamecano, and uh, Masralbi, I think, has a very solid back line. And a lot of these guys, obviously, <clears throat> three of those four have signed for the club within the past two to three seasons. So um, I think that's a, a good signal that that's what the future of the back line is going to look like. That's not to say that we'll be looking for <clears throat> excuse me, a Prevard replacement if he really does wind up leaving the club this summer. Um, we would obviously want to be able to replace someone of his caliber, even though we already have new Sarah Masrawi. But I'm not sure who that would be, what that would look like. Um, I know that a lot of us know that Kimmich could play right back, and he will fill in there if he needs to. While that's not his preference, nor is it Nagelsmann's or Hansi Flick's preference for either Bayern or Germany, but he does possess that capability as a uh, an auxiliary right back because he's used to have. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, used to having have had to have done that for uh, several seasons for both Bayern and even for Germany under uh, Joachim Love at the Euros. Uh, so that's always an option as well. But I do think if Pavard does leave, <clears throat> Bayern would definitely look uh, for a replacement because I just don't think you can get rid of a player of that caliber, even having Masrawi in the ranks uh, and not replace um that player. So that kind of gives you an, an idea of how I think the overview of Bayern's uh, defense and goalkeeping situation will look like. Let me know if you guys agree, obviously, in the comment section, or if you perhaps know of a potential Pavard replacement that um, might be evading me right now that might be feasible financially uh, and realistic for Bayern that you think they might go for. I'm going to take a, uh, a quick second here to just take a sip of my coffee and water and uh, clear my throat, so my apologies. <coughs> Hoping the uh, the coffee will give me some <clears throat> better ideas, some better conversational nuances, and whatnot. Um, so let's see here. There's a few more questions I thought were pretty good, uh, but the next one I want to move to comes from at uh, Baobab1357. And they ask, should Neuer retire from the national team just like Tony Cruz to make room for younger players? Uh, and then also, should we consider players like uh, Matthias Ginter, Christian Gunter, David Rahm again? Um, and then they say, cannot envision a championship team with these guys in it. Uh, so to answer that question, I do think Neuer's reign as number one in Germany is coming to an end. And I do think that we will see someone like a uh, Ter Stegen or perhaps even a Kevin Trapp start to take the reins. And I think we'll get a good indicator of what that's going to look like for the uh, Euros uh, qualification um, and then World Cup qualification. I think the uh, the groups were announced. And now that I say that, I'm literally uh, 
just saying to myself, the Euros are literally in Germany. Um, so Germany would not even have to go through a qualifying process. So I apologize for even saying that. But nonetheless, qualifying for the next World Cup and the next set of friendlies, and then also the uh, the next... excuse me, uh, Nations League uh, batch of matches. I think we'll get a good idea. Um, It's going to obviously take Neuer a while to recover from his leg break, so we're obviously going to see somebody else between the net there the next time there is a Demonshaft camp, whether it's for friendlies, Nations Leagues, or qualifiers. But I do personally think that uh, Neuer's time is, is coming to an end. I think there's a lot of people that have bade for this, even though they might still argue that he should be the number one for Bayern for a few more seasons. And that, like Khan, they think he could play uh, until he's perhaps 40 years old. But it's just more of a matter of there's a lot of good options elsewhere. And, you know, why would you, in my opinion, why would you not try them just because of uh, legacy? You know, if someone else is going to get stuck in and do a decent job for you, uh, don't just play Neuer because he's Neuer and pick Neuer because he's Neuer, you know, make the right decision for the team. And, you know, perhaps somebody that is gives you less heart attack moments. I think we all know Manuel Neuer as a sweeper keeper. There's several times where he's well off of his line and gives you some heart palpitations with the decision he, decisions he makes. More times than not, they work out in his favor and either Bayern's or Germany's favor. But even still, just the very fact that he does it, I would definitely, uh, while it's enjoyable and edge-of-the-seat stuff, I would much rather not have those heart palpitations during Bayern or Germany matches and just uh, have someone do the right and the pragmatic thing, if that makes sense. I know it sounds like a little bit boring, and that's not to say that Neuer's not capable of that, but when all is said and done, as I mentioned, uh, my thought previously there's just a lot of good options elsewhere, whether it is Ter Stegen or Kevin Trapp or perhaps somebody else uh, from the Bundesliga or elsewhere. But uh, I would definitely love to see somebody else get a sustained run. And if it doesn't work out, they can always bring back Neuer or, or try somebody else. But I don't know if it's like a requirement. I don't think Neuer retiring from uh, the German national team is a make or break for them. Like, I really don't. I think all the issues stem from elsewhere. Like, I really think that we should be working on a system that does emphasize a natural number nine striker with the playmakers behind them, like Musiala, Muller, Gnabry, Leroy Zane, Havertz. I know that there's a lot of big arguments on this. I really don't genuinely believe Havertz is a striker. Uh, I, I just think there's a lot of national team managers looking at potentially how many teams are successful in Europe playing without a natural striker. You know, Man City comes to mind before they got Erling Haaland. Pep Guardiola almost always used Jesus off the right or off the left, and, you know, Mares, Sterling, and whoever else off the other side. So um, it, it's interesting to me, like, how much national team managers might look at that. Liverpool, when it was Mane, uh, Firmino, and Salah in their prime, neither of them are... Uh, natural number nine strikers, if you will, like uh, Robert Lewandowski or like uh, Niklas Fulkrug, um, who came to Germany's aid uh, more than once uh, in Qatar, despite them not getting out of the group uh, and getting knocked out. So I think that that has a lot uh, to do with it. But at the same time, I do think that proverbial torch is going to have to be passed. 
Uh, a lot of Bayern fans and a lot of Germany fans might not like it, might not want to hear it because he's such a generational talent, such a one-of-a-kind goalkeeper, you know, so much to the point where if keepers come off their lines nowadays and go for headed clearances or with any other part of their body other than their hands, people kind of call it like the Neuer or, oh, does this so-and-so keeper think they're Manuel Neuer or something like that, or, oh, there they go doing the Neuer. Um, so I think that torch will be passed. I think that time is definitely coming, especially given the fact that regardless of how you dissect it or don't dissect it, he's been in the net for both of the, uh, the tournaments. We crashed out of the group stages at both of the previous two World Cups and in the round of 16 at the Euros. Like That is just simply not good enough following up on winning the World Cup in 2014. Uh, so if that kind of answers that first part of that question, um, I don't, I'm not sure how many people would either agree or disagree with my sentiments there. But uh, nonetheless, some of the other guys you mentioned, like Ginter, uh, Gunter Rahm, I actually think Davin Rahm was like one of our better performers. I know that a lot of people thought that defensively he was poor, but I thought he looked really good going forward. Uh, and I was really excited every time I saw him get the ball on that left flank in an attacking position. But that said, you can't just be all at attack without defensive stability. Uh, I know that I personally wrote about Philip Lahm talking about defensive stability really being one of Germany's shortcomings at the tournaments, and I totally agree with him. Uh, I, I think that was a huge issue. There was no defensive organization, or at least not enough, no stability, and I think our oppositions just sniffed that out, and obviously we weren't able to keep one clean sheet at the tournament, and that's a huge problem going forward. Um, not like literally in attack, but I mean like the future of the German national team is what I mean uh, when I say going forward. Like you cannot go far in tournaments if you cannot keep any clean sheets. Like look at Morocco, the shock team of the tournament. No team has legitimately scored a goal on them. It literally was just, I believe, in the Canada match, it was an own goal. Um, so I think that's a, a, a testament to how important defensive stability is. I know like Omnibot right now is uh, making waves on social media. You know, I've seen tons of memes of like, you know, X percent of the world is covered by water. The rest is covered by Omnibot with how, uh, how defensive of a stonewall he's been at this tournament thus far. Very, very impressive. And uh, the whole Moroccan defense, I should say, has been very defensive. And when you've got Masrawi and Hakimi and guys like that on the flanks, like you can also do damage with those guys going forward. Uh, as we've seen, but um, I don't know if like you know Christian Gunter obviously is having a great season. I use him quite often in fantasy, um, SC Freiburg. So I do think he deserves a future. Ginter, uh, maybe not as much, but on the theme of like some of those younger players that were there, I don't really see any of them, and kind of like look back and reflect and say like, oh, like they really had a terrible tournament or they didn't have any business being there. So, um, and it's one of those things where like, I was more disappointed with some of the veteran players like, uh, Leroy Sané missed a couple of chances. Uh, Serge Gnabry couldn't really seem to get things going uh, aside from a few moments of, uh, of, of magic. Thomas Muller, I thought had a pretty so, so tournament couldn't really get going. So I was actually a little bit more disappointed with the veteran players and the younger players. So if anything, you know, definitely see more of some of the younger players and, really experiment with things because 
come the Euros, like I do not want to sit here and even think about what the conversation will be like if we like don't make it out of the group stages or, you know, get knocked out in the early knockout stages again just in like really lame duck fashion like we did against England, you know, just thinking about that Thomas Muller miss with the wide open goal, how much the game could be different if he converts that chance. Um, like it's just painstaking to think about it, but you can't dwell on the past. You have to look forward. Um, maybe you can digest on the shortcomings for just a little while, but you really just have to apply it and look forward because that's the only direction you can go. Uh, so if that answers that question, I would like to see some of those younger players. I know there's more uh, than just the ones you have mentioned. I know a lot of us have been baying for uh, seeing more of like uh, Lucas Nemecha from Wolfsburg, perhaps even Adiemi, who hasn't had the greatest of seasons uh, with Borussia Dortmund, but there's a lot of a lot of time for Hansi Flick to get this right, and I hope he does. Uh, I definitely agree. I did not think that there was going to be a knee-jerk reaction, uh, and you know, having Hansi Flick sacked and finding a replacement, despite you know Thomas Tuchel is available, Mauricio Pochettino is available. There's all these uh, world-class managers that are out of a job right now. So, you, I guess job security-wise, you don't really have that as much, but. <laughs> with the restructuring that's going on at the DF Bay, uh, it still seems like they are adamant that they want Hansi Flick to be the guy. Um, so let's see how he does in the future. Let's see how many more younger players he introduces to the squad um, and how they do in the preparations for the Euros. Uh, so the last question I did want to look at, I know I spoke um, at decent length about... Germany shortcomings, I really thought that when they played with a natural number nine in Niklas Fulkrug, they looked so much better, and Hansi Flick just seemed really reluctant to start that way in any of their matches in Qatar. Uh, but this last question comes from Robert Bond at Mia San Baba, and it, they ask, how do we fix the academy so we produce nines and center backs? Now, I don't know if there's any sort of bonafide fix to the academy system itself i think that in germany and in Bayern in particular we do have a very good setup with the way obviously the amount of money we spent to revamp uh the fc Bayern campus where all the academy teams play um, and i think we have a very solid system of developing them sending them out on loans uh, different places whether it's domestically in germany uh, elsewhere all of the partnerships that we've built across the world with fc dallas uh, and the mls that's one of the reasons how we were able to help find alfonso davies and look at how much that worked with the return versus the expectation uh, of the player itself so I don't know if there's any any sort of specific tweak with the academy system itself, but just perhaps placing an emphasis on those two positions, both striker and center back, and monitoring uh, trajectories, whether it's loan spells or you know ten years with different clubs across Europe, um, or perhaps even uh, abroad. Um, and I don't know if this is this question is specifically meant uh, for Bayern or just Bayern and Germany in general. But obviously for me, I put more of the Germany attachment on it because I felt that we played that much better when Fulkrug was out there. And the fact that, like, not to say, like, he's obviously having a fantastic season uh, with Werder Bremen and I think is uh, right up there for the leading scorers in the Bundesliga this season. 
um, if he's not the leading scorer. Of course, now that I am trying to pull that stat out of my head, I don't have it in front of me and I can't re- remember. But nonetheless, he's having a fantastic season. But the fact that there's really no other striker that's in there in the conversation with him uh, from a German perspective is, is a little bit like saddening and a little bit ludicrous. We have a plethora and a bevy of attacking midfielders and midfielders that are doing quite well both for Germany and for their respective clubs, but just not a lot of strikers. And, you know, he did well, especially with uh, the circumstances that he was thrust into, Niklas Fulkrug, but, you know, you can't always rely on on just one player uh, with a player, you know, who doesn't have that Champions League experience, doesn't have the experience on the biggest stage, so to speak, other than, you know, his performances in Qatar. But it is criminal to me that, like, there aren't, a larger yield of crops, specifically of uh, strikers. I know you mentioned center backs uh, in your question as well, but uh, perhaps there should be uh, added emphasis placed on those two positions and trajectories of certain players and how they're doing and making sure they pick the right group when it does come to the national team selection and not just picking players off of legacy um, or solely off of uh, form uh, for their clubs. But you know, specifically, like from the academy perspective, um, I, I guess just adding the importance of certain positions. I know at a younger level, I don't know if this is more of an American thing or a, a super Westerner type of thing, but it definitely seems like everybody just wants to be like an attacking player with not a lot of defensive responsibility. So, you know, I'm not a coach, I don't hold any licenses. I've played myself from probably four years old up until now in adult leagues, but. You know, every time I've been around the block, you know, with different teams, especially at a younger age, no one's really volunteering to play defense. Everybody wants to be a striker or uh, a midfielder. And then when they kind of start growing and developing and and getting into more serious clubs with, uh, you know, more serious coaches who know the best attributes and know how to use certain players um, to their advantage for the best of the the club, you know, you see positions start to, to shift. So, I don't know if that would help produce more center backs or more natural strikers, but you know those the fine tunings, the tweakings, uh, and whatnot. Like the at the academy level, academy level, especially at a place like Bayern, like they're going to know way more than I'm going to know. That's just kind of like me rattling off uh, like two cents. I'm sure the academy systems here in America are far different than they are in Germany or elsewhere in Europe, but. I very much, just as you had alluded to in the question, would like to see a much, much larger crop of natural strikers, maybe not as much center backs, but that's not something that would hurt at all because um, I, I feel that uh, you know Antonio Rudiger um, aside didn't really have the strongest showings for center backs uh, in Qatar. Um, but obviously I think we have fantastic center backs at Bayern, so I hope that answers your question. I know it was... Uh, I can't really offer too much insight, the inner workings of academy systems other than, you know, trying to place an emphasis on this and just adding a lot of emphasis and time and financial resources to academies as Germany had done in the early 2000s, you know, with the time period uh, that was dubbed Das Reboot uh, in the buildup in the years prior to lifting the World Cup title in 2014 in Brazil. Um, but nonetheless, I think that's a good place to end the pod. I really enjoyed answering those questions. Apologies again that we couldn't have or a two or a three man booth this time around. The scheduling logistics were just far too difficult. Um, obviously myself getting, uh, over being just a little bit under the weather, 
these things happen though. That's life. You have to roll with the punches that come your way. You can't just falter and sit back in a corner and, you know, behave like an irate manager on the touchline and complain. You got to just keep going. But anywho, um, thanks again for listening, everybody. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you do use to listen to Bavarian Podcast Works and any other podcast that you might listen to. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works. My personal handle is at TommyAdams71. To be honest with you, I don't really use it too often. I'm pretty much always logged into main BFW, uh, getting content out there and trying to hear what you guys have to say uh, out there. So until next time, which I think might be a weekend warm-up or perhaps a reaction podcast to the World Cup semifinal matches that are to come this week, um, thank you again for listening, and auf Wiedersehen.